Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Eagle Eye. Every two weeks, we'll have exclusive interviews with your favorite BC student athletes, professors, alumni, and more. Make sure to follow The Heights on Instagram and Facebook to suggest guests you want to hear from. You can catch up on the latest headlines on The Heights Facebook page every Monday. I'm Asa Ackerley, Associate Sports Editor. I'm Eamon O'Malley, the Assistant Editor of Multimedia. Today is exciting because we have a very special guest, Head Coach of Boston College Football, Jeff Halfley. Coach, can you introduce yourself? All right. Hi, I'm Jeff Halfley, the head football coach at Boston College. Uh, thanks, Coach, for being here today. We're very excited to have you on. Um, you moved to Boston around a year ago. Uh, how are you and your family adjusting so far? Well, it's, 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 it's going great. You know, I basically, at this point, I know how to get home and get to the office. Obviously, with the pandemic, we, we moved in literally, I think we moved in March 1st to the house and my wife and, and two daughters. Um, and I believe about a week later, everything was shut down. So uh, luckily we got into the house and my family's here and we did that a week before everything got pretty bad. Um, but I haven't really been able to venture out and really even get to know my town or the city as much as I would like. But, you know, it kind of excites me in a way because I'm really excited to, you know, get to do that when, um, you know, God willing, everything gets better and, and we can go out and get into Boston around the town. And, you know, so I'm excited, but we're happy. We're happy to be here. Uh, everybody's been great. The community um, you know, obviously everybody here on campus. So we're really looking forward to the future. Awesome. Um, any particular places you're excited to get to places that you've heard players talk about assistants talk about anybody around the program tell you, Hey Jeff, like you got to go there once, um, things are more opened up. Oh, there's so many. I mean, it's like every time I meet someone, it's, you got to go to this place in Boston. You got to go to this place around the corner in campus. You got to go meet these people. You got to I mean, there's so many. I, th I think we got about a list now of places that we need to get. Um, so it's hard for me to single any out right now. There's there's too many of them. And like I said, just haven't been able to do very much, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I know, um, you know, it, during the season, you're basically working like all hours of the day uh, with no weekends, pretty much. Um, what is your routine like during the season? And how do you find more time for things that aren't football related? Sure. Well, you know, as a football coach, what I've learned is, you know, there's two types of coaches. There's those that just work nonstop. Some sleep in their offices. Some uh, don't see their wives or kids. And, and believe it or not, there was a point in my life where I did. I mean, when I was at Pitt, um, I think for two of the years, I didn't even really have an apartment or anything. I literally slept in my office. And, um, you know, at that point, I wasn't married, didn't have kids. And I just kind of worked and worked. And when it was time to go to bed, I went to bed. And when it was time to wake up, I was the first guy to work. And I continued to, you know, crawl from under my desk and, and go back to work. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've gotten married and, and I've had two kids, I try to have a better balance in my life. And, you know, I, I respect our staff's families and their time together. So as much as there's this whole world about, you know, every coach stays in the office from 5 a.m. to 11 I try really hard not to do that. Um, you know, I get in early and we'll, we'll take Sunday, for example, after a game Sunday, you know, we're in pretty early after um, probably in our offices by seven, eight o'clock. And usually on a Sunday during the season, probably home about nine, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I would say Monday through Wednesday, it's probably in the office. I, I get in about 6am so I can get out earlier. So I'm probably here at 6am and, you know, on those three days with the hard game planning and get everything together and the practice and the watching the tape after practice and then the next phase of the game planning and 
you know, probably I'm probably out of here home by nine. Uh, so I, I know that might seem like a long day, but there's, trust me, there's some coaches who are just continuing to work through that. But then where I was different this year is, you know, um, well, Wednesday I had my radio show. So Wednesday I had my radio show this year. It was on zoom. So I had to be home for that this year. I forgot about that. It feels like this season was like a lifetime ago. So Wednesday we had a zoom radio show, I believe was on, you know, six o'clock, somewhere around there. And then Thursdays I made it. So everybody was out, out for family dinner. So everybody got home for dinner. And then Friday, if we had a home game, um, we would work till about noon and go spend some time with our family and then go to the team hotel Friday night and spend the night. And, um, some guys stayed over at the hotel if we were on a home game. If we're an away game, we're traveling, we're all in the hotel. And then we kick off Saturday and play and do it all over again. So in the grand scheme of your question, I mean, it's seven days a week. And there's no days off. And some coaches, it's all day, all night. Um, but I tried to make sure coaches saw their family at least Thursday, Friday, Saturday after the games, obviously. Um, but it's a, pretty, it's, a pretty grind. it's a pretty good grind once you, you get in the training camp and, and you finish out the year. I know you guys are, I mean, the off, the idea of an off season in college football is a bit of a misnomer. You guys are always recruiting that things are always happening, but are there any favorite things of yours that you have a chance to do during this time of the year that you can't get to during the season, any activities with the family or TV shows that you get to catch up on anything like that? Well, like everybody else, it's probably a ton of things. Anybody recommends on Netflix um, seems to be the big thing now. So if you guys have any to offer, you can I'm happy to take your offers um, I think the biggest thing in the off season is just having the weekends to be with your family. Um, you know, in a perfect world to be going to Boston and walk around and see new places and meet new people, um, bring the kids to campus, um, just walk around a campus, hanging out. My kids love coming to my office. They love, gosh, they would love right now just to walk around and be part of it and see all the coaches and the players. But I just think in the off season, just to have the weekends where we're not working and we can spend time with our families. Um, Really, I know I'm sounding like a pretty boring guy, but that's really what I like to do. You know, I don't, I'm not a guy who's going to go play golf and leave at 7 a.m. and golf until three and not be around my family. Um, I'd rather take the kids somewhere, you know, take them to eat, take them to get ice cream, um, do some things with my wife. But I'm a pretty simple guy when, I, when I'm away from football. I, I'm, I know I'm probably pretty boring right now to most people. I don't have these crazy hobbies or exciting stories. But when you work as hard as we do, um, sometimes it's nice just to go be with your family and friends, um, which is definitely the things I like to do. And any Netflix recommendations, just keep them coming. All right. I'll, I'll have to get back to you uh, with some of those, Coach. And I, I definitely makes sense. I know with two young kids, too, and just after moving to a city, just that time of the family after a long season, I'm sure it's just so priceless. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, obviously, especially I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And, um, you know, the nice thing about this, you know, even when we were home, when I first got here, I got to spend more time with my kids than, than I can ever remember. Same with my wife. So you got to look at the silver lining and everything, right? Yeah. And um, I guess uh, with the Super Bowl just happening, um, it's pretty cool that you've actually had a coaching role in the Buccaneers um, a couple years ago. Um, I mean, how, how cool is that to see like places like that have uh, such, such success at the, at the NFL level? Yeah, no, it is. Um, you know, I still have a bunch of friends in the organization, some people in the front office, a couple of guys that we drafted are still playing on the team and it was fun to watch and fun to, fun to see that. It's kind of funny, right? I leave the 49ers, you know, two years ago and they go to the Super Bowl. 
So now um, two teams that two of the last three teams that I coached in the NFL have been in the Super Bowl. So now I guess if the Browns make it to the Super Bowl, that would be I'll be three for three. So um, no, it was, it's fun. It's always fun. The neat thing about my career is I've gotten a chance to be around a lot of different NFL teams, meet a lot of people. And you just kind of root for those teams you were around, or at least if you know the coaches or you know the players, you just have more of a rooting interest and it makes the games more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what you, what you just said about still knowing people um, on the Buccaneers, whether it be some players you guys drafted or people who are in the organization while you were there. At what point do you feel in um, previous places you worked, like, is there a time X years past then where you feel like it's a completely different organization than the one you've worked at? Or does it really feel like even places you worked at 10, 15 years ago, you still have relationships there. You still like, you feel like you have connections to that place. You know, honestly, I've been on some NFL teams coaching where the next year, the whole, you know, if a new staff comes in, the whole roster is different. I mean, it is cleared out because it's such a small roster, right? A 53 man roster could be flipped pretty quick. So within two or three years, it's a lot different. Like in Tampa, I can think like Levante David, we drafted when I was there. Um, one of the best human beings and a phenomenal player. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Um, it's more so, you know, for example, the guys that I was with in Tampa that are now coaching for the Packers, or the guys that are with in Cleveland that are now coaching for the Giants. Some of my best friends are now with the Jets, right? So you just root hard for those teams and the guys you kind of came up in coaching with and you stay in touch with those guys and you just root for their success. You know, because the rosters in an NFL, I mean, the NFL career, the average career is like three years, right? So I was in the NFL eight, nine years ago. Half of those guys were out of the league. But it's the coaches in the league that you continue to root for and your friends and your buddies. And sometimes you feel like you're right there with them. So that's where I have the most fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess kind of going off of that, um, I'm curious to know about like your evolution of like evaluating uh, talent. Um, are there like traits that you maybe began your coaching career thinking like are the most important attributes? Um, and now like you've kind of... Um, like change your mindset on that um, based on like how much success they've had or how do you, how do you evaluate that? Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's a good question, right? I mean, I remember when I first got in the NFL, I was just so into looking at the measurables, the height, the length, the weight, the speed, the 40, how explosive they were in their broad jump, you know, their short area uh, times in the short shuttle. And, you know, as I've gotten more experience it, you got to turn on the tape because a lot of times if you just look at the combine and everybody's wowed by this big, long guy who can literally fly. But then if it doesn't show up on the tape, if that four, four doesn't look four, four on the tape, you might find a guy who ran four, seven and plays faster and is more instinctive and sees things quicker and can process better. And I think I just learned that by about, by being around a lot of players and in the NFL, I was around some free agents who worked out better than first round draft picks. And, you know, it, it was maybe the guy didn't develop as quickly. Um, maybe things just didn't come to him as quick. Or maybe he didn't have the measurables. But, wow, if you really watch the tape, I mean, this guy's very productive. He's instinctive. He gets the game. He sees it well. And he's a good football player. So even now, like all afternoon, I was watching tape. And there are some guys we have 40 times on. And it's like you would never touch that guy. But when you turn on the tape and you watch him play, he just plays the game at a different speed. So I get, yeah, your question is early on in my career, I would have looked at the measurables um, and I would have taken some chances on those. And now it's more of trying to piece it all together, if that makes sense. For sure. Does, 
is your evaluation process for thinking about transfers and the role they might play in um, your program versus evaluating high school recruits? Could you talk a little bit about like um, what that difference is there? I know you mentioned that a little bit in your press conference after you signed that group of four transfers, including um, Jaden Lawrence would be, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your, your thought process on the difference there. Yeah, well, I want to build this by recruiting high school players. And I think we're entering a very dangerous era of people holding 25, holding 15 of their 25 scholarships for the transfer portal. And in doing that, there's going to be less scholarships to go to high school players. And I just, I worry about the development and I want to be here for a long time. I do. And honestly, if I wanted this to be a quick fix or what people may say is stepping stone, then I would get 20 guys in the transfer portal and try to be good fast. But I don't want that. I want to develop this thing the right way. I want to take a freshman and by the time he's a senior, have him so developed, so prepared, know the scheme so well, uh, understand the culture so well that our seniors are better than everybody's freshmen and sophomores and juniors. And that's how I think we can have those magical moments and really win by developing and training the mind, the body, and just really getting after it that way, where if you just live in the transfer portal and you just bring in a guy for a year and then another guy for a year and then another guy for two years, it's kind of like you better just keep replacing, right? Um, Where I'd rather develop kind of like in the NFL, you can either build through the draft or build through free agency. It depends if, if in the NFL, you know, you got to win pretty quickly. So you got, sometimes you got to go out and get the free agents who are ready to play. But if you knew you had time and they weren't going to fire you, you would want to build through the draft and develop your players and develop your culture, which is what we want to do here. Cause I want to be here. Um, the other thing you got to look at is your culture, right? You have, we have an awesome locker room right now. And when I say that, I mean, look what our guys did during the pandemic. I mean, it's amazing. And they came together and I truly believe they love each other and they play for each other. And it's such a unbelievable culture to be around. What you don't want to do is you don't want to bring out guys from all these other cultures from this university and this school and this school And all of a sudden you bring them into the locker room and it starts pulling people away from each other. I don't want to do that. So when we go out and get a transfer, we either have to have a relationship with them, trust people who have coached them. And we better be sure that they're going to fit our culture Uh, because no player or no skill set is going to be more important than that to me, that they fit in with what we're trying to build here. It's the same thing in the recruiting process is we get to know these, these players. um, To me, it's just as important as we recruit them um that we really understand who fits us the most too and if we find out a great player doesn't fit what we're trying to do we're not going to bring him here and that's how we're going to build this thing over a period of time and i'm really excited about that yeah yeah that's that's uh, that sounds great um and i guess uh for for fan engagement um i mean outside of the speech you gave at the bc hockey game last year um you haven't been able to you know like engage with students as much due to the pandemic um like most other schools, uh, what are some of your specific hopes for the fall semester next year in terms of like generating that kind of big fan excitement? Well, I hope we showed them this year that we're going to go out and compete and play a fun style of football. And, you know, a lot of those games, guys, I mean, we had some crazy games at the end, whether it was North Carolina, even the Texas State game. And then, you know, we got up on Georgia. We had some fun home moments this year, right? I remember walking out of the stadium, like happy we won, but looking over at the mods and looking around being like, you know, what a shame. I mean, think about how crazy this place would have been. Think about how loud it would have been at the end of that North Carolina game. I mean, I think if, if we had students at that North Carolina game and we have the home field advantage and I'm really believing that we're going to get with the students and the faculty and the community in the city, I think we win the game. 
So what do I hope? I hope that first game when we play is as loud as it's been here in years. And I believe it can be. And if that means I have to go into the mods and pull people out and wake them up, that's what I'll do. And if I have to walk around campus and go get people and get them excited and do fun things, whether it's setting up great tailgates across the way or do whatever we need to do, but we're going to play exciting football. We're going to compete and it's going to be a fun and loud environment. So I can't wait, but I'm telling you, I walked out of multiple games, like even the Louisville game. I was like, wow. I mean, imagine a couple of those third downs. They couldn't hear us. You know, Notre Dame, same thing. Are you kidding me? We're playing the number two ranked team in the country and we're five and three at the time. And we're kind of rolling. I mean, imagine how much that would help us in that Notre Dame game. I mean, forget having Notre Dame fans at home. I say we, we fill it up with all the BC fans and don't let any Notre Dame fans in the stadium. But and that's, so that's what I expect when we get back. And I'm pumped about it because I'll tell you, even like when I walk to my car at night, if there's students around, people are excited. I mean, I don't know how they recognize me or if they do, or they're just guessing it's me, but people are definitely pumped, whether they're yelling at me to get in or, you know, saying good job coach. It's, I just can't wait to see and prove everybody wrong that we can fill up this place and we can be louder than most people. Yeah. I, I'm actually a freshman at BC, so I've, I've never been to a football game here, but I can tell you it's, it's all anybody ever talks about. I mean, it's all the excitements directed towards next season, like based off of how great the team performed this year and how much, you know, things are looking forward. It's, it's so exciting. So well, I appreciate you better be in the front row at every game yelling then. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thinking a little bit more about, about next season, um, do you expect your um, game plan or playbook really on either side of the ball to change a lot? Did you feel like last season um, with a bunch of new coaches, new players, obvi obviously, and a, a weird shortened offseason um, that there were kind of parts of the playbook you weren't able to install yet that you'll think you'll have um, be able to expand it a little bit this season? Yeah, definitely. And we were actually just talking about that with the offense today when I was sitting with them. I mean, you think about it. This is how we installed for about three-fourths of the time we had together. And it's hard, guys, to install an offense, defense, and special teams over the computer like this when the film half the time is grainy and you can't see it. And you really can't know how much guys are engaged on Zoom. Um, and then really having five spring ball practices in a training camp that was kind of like every other day of real, real football practice. Um, you know, just from my perspective as a defensive guy, we were very limited to what we could do because we were just worried if we tried to put it all in, we wouldn't be good at anything. So let's just put in what we believe we can get done and try to get really good at it. So I think you're going to see, I, I think you're going to see us open it up on all three phases. Um, and I'm excited about that. That's why I'm just hoping we can all stay safe on campus and all the students can continue to really watch out, watch out for each other and we can get a spring ball in and both through training camp and then really open it up and, and see how good we can be. That's awesome. Pretty definitely excited to hear that. You guys have um, 12, 12 high school recruits for, uh, um, enrolling early for the spring, right? That's pretty exciting. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, and they're doing a great job right now in the winter workouts. They're awesome kids. They're excited. They're eager. If you think about it, a lot of them should be, you know, just being in their senior year, getting ready for a basketball game or a prom or something that, you know, most guys aren't in the weight room and, and already in a classroom in a, in a big time academic school. So they got their hands full, but they're off to a great start. And what it does, it, it's going to create competition and it's going to give some guys a, a chance to jump right in and get some early playing time possibly. And I just think the culture we're going to build, build is going to be based on competing. And the more players we can get at spring ball and training camp, uh, the higher the competition will be. I just believe that 
you know, when you're pushed, whether it's me as a coach um, or a player, that's how you bring out the best in people. So I'm just really excited about to see these guys push each other. And um, I think it's a good group and I'm excited for the rest of them to come for training camp. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the time we have for today, but thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're really looking forward to next season and, um, and, and everything that goes on. So thank you. No, I'm pumped. And, and I appreciate this. This is important to me. It's important. Whatever you guys need, let us know. Um, and I mean that, I mean, we're going to, we're going to want the students around. I want the students around. I want the school support. Like I said, I think we can make this a lot of fun. And I, I really do believe that on our home games, with our student support, I think we can, I think we can have some pretty exciting moments next year. So hopefully the next time I walk out of that stadium, we still got people mobbed all around the mods in the parking lot and we can enjoy, enjoy a bunch of fall Saturdays. Yeah. I cannot tell you how excited I am for that. And so thank you so much for that coach and really, really appreciate it. Thank you again to coach Halfley for joining us. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed our interview and thanks for listening to Eagle Eye today, featuring the head coach, Boston college football coach, Jeff Halfley. Be sure to keep up with BC football this coming fall as the Eagles hope to build on their success in the 2021 season. Also make sure to keep up with our social media at BC Heights on Instagram and Twitter and The Heights on Facebook. Don't forget to give us suggestions on who you want to hear and what you want to hear about. Thank you everyone for listening and be sure to check back here in two weeks for another episode of Eagle Eye.